Hi, this is Bill Prentice, uh, CEO of Meridian Energy Group. The Meridian Energy Group. Mind if we just get a quick update on how things are going with the Davis Refinery out in uh, Belfield, North Dakota? Uh, sure. Uh, we're right in the middle of, of design at this point for Davis. Um, uh, McDermott International out of Houston is uh, our contractor for that. We're also uh, proceeding with preparation of bid packages for all the fabrication work and uh, including the modules for the refinery of which there are about i think there are over 200 at this point uh, that we're uh, looking at and so uh, that effort is continuing uh, also a lot of activity going on with respect to our crude supply and product uh, marketing uh, agreements and activities and of course, uh, you know, the plant is fully permitted um, as of uh, June of 2018, but uh, there's been a, a significant level of litigation activity associated with the project, and uh, we've been winning at every step along the way there. But uh, there are two current uh, challenges at the Supreme Court that we're uh, working our way through. So litigation continues to be part of what we do. I know I, I should mention oh. that uh, also just that uh, you know our activity level is also increasing on the second of our refineries uh, down in Texas. And let's get a refiner let's get an update on that in just a moment or two. I did want to stick on the Davis refinery for just a second because over the last several years, uh, you've used the term the new normal when it comes to, you know, these type of infrastructure projects to where it, it in re reference to the litigation and the organization behind environmental groups and opposition, that sort of thing, to where really it's almost where it's a, a stall tactic, if you will. And uh, it's, it's created a new commonplace, a, a commonness, if you will, for timelines and scheduling fluctuations. Can, can you comment to me on that a little bit? Yeah, and I, you know, we've had opposition to the refinery since day one. As you know, when we first talked, it was in connection with the opposition uh, that it showed up for our conditional use permit hearings down in uh, Billings County. Um, but, you know, opposition has Good thing, good aspects and bad aspects. Uh, the refinery design is stronger and cleaner as a result of us knowing that we we're going to face that opposition, uh, particularly in regard to the air quality permit. And quite frankly, I, I welcome that aspect of it. Uh, it. It made us work harder to make sure the plant was going to be uh, uh, unassailable from a technical point of view. So we're grateful to that. Um, but, you know, the, the process of getting the permit itself uh, was um, protracted because of the threat of litigation. Uh, both ourselves and the permitting agencies uh, spent a lot more time and money uh, in the preparation of the permits uh, because we knew we'd faced litigation. And since we obtained the permits, uh, the lawsuits have cost us quite a bit of money and have delayed 
the projects uh, significantly. So yeah, it's a, the negative impact of this is the benefits of this project uh, to the local community is have been delayed because of this process. I want to get an update on some of the technology involved here. You know, one of the things that we do here at the Crude Life is we're very much into innovation. We're very, very much into uh, the environment. So eco innovation, if you will. Uh, another thing that we do at the Crude Life here, it's a little bit different than most, is we like to read actual scientific studies instead of the political briefings that a lot of people read or read the summaries of political briefings, if you will. Uh, I've seen a few of the scientific documents towards your refinery, and th those seem to cut muster, man. Those seem to meet the scientific breakthroughs, if you will, cutting new eco-grounds. Uh, wh what's going on with your guys' you know, claim that this is going to be the uh, most eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, uh, cleanest refinery on the planet, which I believe it's going to be? Um, yeah, that's that's been an ongoing story and a, and a very interesting one to, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by training, so I get very excited about what we're going to do. And, uh, uh, our, our team is, is very, very, uh, first rate, um, industry wide. Um, these are guys who didn't want to do things the same old way. Uh, this started during the permit process. I, I think a lot of people were confused by the fact that we got very excited about what we were going to be doing on air quality, uh, even after we filed the first uh, generation of our air quality permit application. And in fact, we came back in uh, uh, in April of 2017 with an amended application that showed reduced emissions. We were so excited about what we were able to achieve on the engineering side. And this is just a matter of the fact that nothing like this has been done in 40 years. Uh, last full conversion refinery was built in 76, I think it was. And there's just been a lot of technology developed that hasn't been applied comprehensively in a project like this yet. So obviously we were excited about that. Uh, the permit was, was granted based on that new engineering. And although we were very conservative, uh, in, in doing this, we we're able to achieve a synthetic minor source designation for the plant, uh, which again was a first in the industry. Oil and Gas Journal called it uh, historic. And since then, when we get into the details of design, as we've been doing for the last uh, six months, uh, we're going to be able to do even better uh, in actual uh, practice. Uh, so, you know, our, our ability to uh, surpass even what we've committed to in the air quality permit is is just uh, we're amazed by that and and we're very proud of it uh, and it's not just the performance of the project I mean you know good engineering would guide you down this route anyway when oil is worth a dollar a barrel like it was over a hundred years ago uh, your attitude towards wasted hydrocarbons is different than it is at sixty seventy dollars so good engineering does not like waste. Those are all hydrocarbons that are worth money. But uh, the fact that they get out into, into the air is not something that uh, we want to see because we think the industry needs to redo itself and become uh, proficient in, in building plants that can be put exactly where they're needed 
you know, not kick down the road uh, to where pollution is theoretically more more uh, uh, allowable, uh, which is kind of strange to think that way. But that's the way industry has been handled in this country today. Um, so, yeah, you, you've touched on a hot button. I'm, I'm really excited about the technology and what we're doing here. Well, I think it's the, obviously the big story. My my uh, first story I actually did back in 2012 was the Bakken oil boom is not an oil boom. It's a technology boom. And, you know, it, obviously it's driven by oil, but there is so much truth behind that, that it's a technology boom. It's still every day creating new opportunity through innovation. And that's that's really exciting. But the other side of this that isn't talked about because the air quality uh, permitting seems to t- take up a lot of, um, uh, you know, media time, if you will, and, you know, the innovation and, and some of these things. But the sustainability on the back end uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit from time to time. Let's talk about that, about how this is going to be something that's going to be sustainable after it's, it's built. Well, it, yeah, the, the threshold energy to get this project in operation has been tremendous. I mean, uh, but once you get it going, it will feed innovation throughout the industry um, and and lead to a refining industry in the United States that has dramatically lower emissions and much higher efficiency and lower cost. Uh, you know, what you mentioned about oil production, uh, the shale oil revolution uh, causing a boom and, and new innovation and uh, is absolutely true. And it has to work its way down through the rest of the industry uh, all the way to the pump. And, you know, we consider ourselves part of that that larger uh, revolution, if you will. And part of the story there, you know, is, uh, you know, like you were talking about back when you first covered it in 2012, they boom time. But if we recall, you know, when the price of oil took a dive uh, for several years, um, innovations didn't stop. Those innovations continued apace. And suddenly the oil production industry faced with adversity, came up with even better solutions to various problems and became even more efficient. And those efficiencies and innovations have carried through into uh, in a more stable environment. And, you know, same is true of our of our uh, refinery. You know, it's a, it's a new kind of, uh, of integration of, of technology. But when you look at what the industry is facing, including the uh, recent... Uh, uh, explosion over in the Pennsylvania refinery and then the decision to shut that down. Uh, you know, we're looking at aging plant and equipment throughout the United States devoted to refining a different kind of oil uh, coming out of the Bakken and the Permian. And it's not well suited to that. And that plant and equipment is kind of grown and along and it needs to be replaced and updated. Uh, so, yeah, sustainability is, is something that I think we'll, we'll be able to easily achieve because it's going to be the wave of the future. Well, I think you guys should be commended, the whole staff, the whole team out there, uh, for being a change agent. Being a change agent is not easy. And what you guys are trying to do is actually twofold. One is you're trying to change innovation. So you're trying to make uh, refineries cleaner than they've ever been before for an economical reason and also for an environmental reason. 
But the other part that is, is the change agent difficulty is the perception, just the whole perception of what's going on when it comes to refineries in the world and the conditioning over the last 50 years and everything else along those lines. Do you guys ever, you know, take a step back and realize, you know, you guys are actually, you know, kind of like I've, like I've said from day one, we're going to be reading about this in history books because this is how monumental this is. Um, if you guys have thought about that, exactly how big of a change agent you are, because you keep going, you know, you're, you're going to be doing another one down in Texas, the uh, Walton refinery down in Kermit, Texas, which we'll get into. But I just wanted to get your reaction to my comments on, you know, your trailblazingness is really more than a trailblazer and a pioneer because you're changing innovation and perception. Well, it's that part of it, you know, and I, I think it's important for people who work hard and do something that's difficult to maybe reach around and pat themselves on the back once in a while. And we, we do that occasionally when nobody's looking, but, um, for instance, yesterday, uh, we had some gentlemen in here, uh, who were representing a group that had, uh, won the rights, the, the permits, if you will, to build a, a series of refineries in a West African nation. And they had previously been engaged with uh, one of the major oil companies and a, a major U.S. EPC company to um, implement that plan and then heard about the Davis refinery up in North Dakota. So they came to see us. Uh, they don't want to build an, one of their grandfather's refineries. Uh, they want to leapfrog ahead in something that's more efficient and cleaner and so you know we've we've been recognized worldwide now as an innovator and uh, that was very gratifying uh, i don't know how quickly we're going to be able to address something like that when we're so busy on on walton station and davis but uh, you know it's nice to know that there are people out there watching and that they like what they see and it all started in north dakota well, you guys have been pretty transparent from the beginning. I know that. Uh, talk to me about the transparency involved with this. Uh, was this something that you guys had meetings with, or was this something that just kind of came natural a little bit? Because I know the state sure loves the transparency you guys have. Well, you know, I've been I've been in the energy business a long time, and I. I think that one of the things we wanted to do as far as an organization is concerned is to be innovative there as well. Um, people in the energy business tend to be very, you know, close to the vest. That's and saying by it large, that's, yes, it's, it's a strategy that's time proven, but, um, again, that doesn't work this day and age. And, you know, you also get, uh, companies who focus on a storyline and, and who's going to be the spokesman to carry that storyline. And it's better just to have your guys authorized to speak the truth about what's going on whenever they're asked. And that way you don't uh, get into a situation where people are getting a different story from different parts of the company and don't understand what's happening. And that's bitten us a few times, you know. I mean, uh, I had a recent uh, interview where uh, a, uh, a news journalist was asking about where we are in financing the projects and uh, 
you know, the resulting report was just, you know, pretty astounding to me because it didn't reflect anything that I told the guy. He just kind of grabbed a number here and there and, and wrote up something that has been repeated a couple of times that is absolute disinformation. And so it, it gets very frustrating. Uh, there is a price to be paid for openness, but it is not a matter of, uh, of policy or con concerted messaging. Uh, we just we don't know how to keep track of any weird stories we might decide to tell. So let's just tell people what's going on. One of the things I love about the uh, Kermit, Texas announcement with the Walton refinery is that it really shows how much you guys believe in what you're doing. And that, that to me is just crystal clear with that announcement. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the Kermit, Texas uh, Walton refinery down there. Well, it's a interesting site. It's right on the uh, western edge of the Delaware Formation, uh, which is kind of in the middle of the whole overall uh, Permian uh, play. Uh, it's a growing area, a uh, very consistent product coming out of there. And uh, the infrastructure for moving crude around is uh, developing rapidly. Uh, the design for the uh, refinery, because of the nature of the crude, is going to be very similar to Davis. Uh, the only thing we have there that's different, really, is uh, a higher sulfur content. And uh, that means, actually, it's better than Bakken because we can use conventional uh, sulfur removal as opposed to Bakken requires a slightly more uh, custom uh, technology, well, because Bakken... Uh, sulfur is so low, um, you know, and, and so it's it's just going to be a little bit more traditional refinery. It's going to be a little bit larger than than the Davis refinery. Uh, Texas uh, permitting is, uh, from a regulatory point of view, uh, very similar to North Dakota. So our experience in uh, permitting the Davis refinery is directly applicable. In fact, the same guys are going to handle the entire process for us. Um, and uh, we're just excited to get it started. Uh, you know, we did the uh, land deal uh, back in February. Uh, we've been collecting information, and we're just about to ready to start uh, soils and geology work there, and then, uh, then we'll be starting the permit process very quickly. I know I mentioned that the uh, action of going ahead with Another refinery shows how much you believe in your technology, your innovation, and everything else. But, you know, also it shows that you guys have put together a model, a formula. Um, talk to me about the Meridian model that you guys have come up with, because it appears to me you guys are leveraging some technologies and some resources. Yeah, we're, uh, our intellectual property is not purely technical. Um, you know, the... If, uh, if you could still patent business methodology like Amazon did back in the day, uh, we'd be real busy with a patent application right now. Uh, but the technology itself is already proven. We're not, we're not doing anything that's uh, uh, bent scale, uh, you know, that needs to be proven. This is all uh, lead pipe cinch. We know it's going to work. Uh, the way we integrate it is different. The way we handle uh, the control technology is different. It's going to be the first uh, digital refinery in effect. 
so it, it embraces everything that's evolved over the last uh, couple of decades on information technology. And we find that that combination requires very little tweaking if when we move from one shale basin to another. Um, and so, therefore, uh, it's not a perfect cookie cutter, but uh, it's close enough for us, and we're going to take it elsewhere. Uh, the Walton Station uh, site is, is done. We're starting all the work necessary to, to move the permitting forward. Um, we have a third uh, location that we're inciting on right now uh, in the uh, Oklahoma uh, frame of reference. I won't be more specific than that, but that'll be our third location. And then, uh, then we'll branch out from there. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's some international interest, which we could handle through joint ventures and other relationships. To, I mean, that's getting way down the road. Um, you know, we we want to get Davis built and, uh, and Walton station permitted, um, before we start worrying too much about, uh, the distant future. A third location, international in, uh, interest, that's what we call in the business a tease. So we'll have to keep Mr. William Prentice on our speed dial to make sure we know what's happening down the path, because that's where I see you guys going too, is international with this. It doesn't surprise me at all that you're already getting um, entertained, if you will, about some international uh, refineries and interests, etc. So uh, any final thoughts, anything we left out, anything you, you might want to reiterate, anything that uh, you have as a extra message or a chili recipe, anything like that uh, for today? You know me, I like to give guests the final words so the question's not framed by the host. <laughs> you know, I, I had a bowl of uh, wild boar chili the other day, and I wish I had the recipe for it. It was great. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for the that, person to actually take me up on that because I throw that out there as a joke every now and then, but I'm expecting one little smart guy is going to come forward and say, I've got a great jambalaya recipe that'll knock your socks off. <laughs> anyway. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll find out how to make wild boar chili before we talk next time. But, you know, the one thing I might add is, uh, you know, people in North Dakota have been very patient with us uh, it's taken us a long time to get the permits. Uh, you know, it seems like it's taken a long time for the refinery to get started. It's it's awfully hard if you're in North Dakota to see uh, all of the work that's ongoing on Davis. Uh, you know, it's all engineering and, and procurement related, and it's all happening in Houston right now. So I, I understand the impatience, and uh, I just want to apologize for that uh, there's going to be an increasing amount of activity at the site starting next year because that's when we'll have foundation designs done and we'll be ready to get those foundations started so that the modules can be installed as they're uh, fabricated and shipped. Um, so, you know, uh, we're eager to get the project built and uh, I think uh, everybody that's that's helped us in North Dakota with this project and uh, they're not going to be sorry that they did.